0: Shall we just pray for him? Lord, we um, thank you for Martin and for all that he is for you. We thank you for the words that you've given him for us. And we pray that you would make sure that we hear what you want to say to us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Sally. And do keep the... John reading open. It's on page uh, 1090. Uh, A very familiar reading to us, isn't it? John 21, right at the end of John's Gospel. A reading centered around Peter and Jesus. And of all the people who messed up in the Bible, Peter is right there, up with the best of them, isn't he? He deserted Jesus at the hour of his greatest need. He denied him three times. And here we are, much, much later on in the story. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's looking for a people. He's looking for disciples, for a people who are going to take his message to the world. And I wonder, if you were Jesus in these circumstances, I wonder what you would do. I wonder what you would do. Would you, who would you choose, and how, what the criteria would be uh, that you'd make your decision on? Who Would you have Peter in your team? Or would you write him off? Jesus asks Peter three times in this story. In verses 15 and 16 and 17, Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? And the Greek word for this, a word that we may be familiar with, is agape. It's a specifically Christian word. It wasn't really around before Jesus And it's used of the self sacrificial love of Jesus. It means loving in a way that the world doesn't love, loving without expecting anything in return. And Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? And each time Peter says, Yes, Lord, I do love you. And each time that happens, his pain and his shame for denying Jesus is removed. And each time that happens, he receives a new commission from Jesus. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. A new task, a new role in the kingdom of heaven. A central role, an absolutely critical role for the one who arguably messed up the most. And three in Jewish culture is symbolic. It means full or it means complete. And so... Peter's threefold denial of Jesus is a complete, total denial of him. But Jesus' threefold reinstatement is also total. Because Jesus' grace and his forgiveness gives a second chance to everyone, even to Peter, even to those who've messed up the most. And for some of you here today, that might be the thing that you need to hear. That you've messed up we've all messed up, but you're aware that you've messed up, you don't actually know where you are with Jesus, you wonder even if there's a way back, then I'd encourage you to look at this story and look at the disciple who messed up the most, fully reinstated, fully forgiven, called again to Jesus, called again to something great in the kingdom of God. And in reinstating Peter, notice what Jesus doesn't ask. Jesus doesn't ask, are you sorry? Now, I think we know that Peter is sorry. Jesus doesn't ask, can I be 100% sure that it will never, ever happen again? Jesus doesn't even ask Peter, will you give me a copper-bottom commitment that you are going to pray and read the Bible every day? Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? The one thing, the main thing that Jesus is after, that Jesus is looking for, is Peter's love. And when Peter responds and he says, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. Almost, why are you asking me? You know that I love you. He doesn't actually use the same word that Jesus uses. He doesn't use the word agape. He uses philio, another Greek word, which is, if you like, a lesser love, a a family love or a brotherly love. And in effect, Peter is saying to Jesus, yes, I love you. Not in the same way that you love me, not with that agape, self-sacrificial love that gives and doesn't count the cost, but I do love you. I do love you. And the great news is for us that amazingly, this lesser love, this filial love that Peter offers Jesus is enough for Jesus. Our affection is directed towards God is enough for him. And I remember uh, two or three months ago, um, uh, Anthony and I have a, a son many of you met called Silas, uh, often totters around. Uh, he'd probably be up here if it was the 10.30, uh, grabbing onto daddy's legs. But at 16 months old and two or three months ago, I remember he gave me my first kiss, uh, which was wonderful. And uh, all of you who have had kids or grandchildren or or children in the family know what that's like and you know also that it's open-mouthed slobbery and doesn't ever quite hit the mark Uh, but it was Silas's faltering expression of affection to me and you know that was enough that was more than enough and Jesus asks each one of us do you love me Are you willing to start now where you are and grow in love and grow in affection? Because love for Jesus is the primary basis for discipleship. It's the fundamental qualification for all leadership and all ministry. Gifts and abilities may be desirable, they are desirable, but love is absolutely indispensable. Without love for Jesus, we go nowhere. The most effective disciple is the one who's most passionate for Jesus The one who overflows with love for him. But our love for Jesus is a response, isn't it? It's a response to Jesus' love for us. As John says in his first letter, we love because he first loved us. And it's God's love for us that warms our hearts and turns our hearts to him. And if you look in verse 20, uh, Peter turns and asks about John. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And that's always uh, struck me and many others as slightly odd, a bit puzzling in John's gospel because uh, the disciple who Jesus loved, uh, John, written about by the disciple who Jesus loved, John, in his own gospel. And what does it mean that John is writing that he is the beloved disciple? He's writing this about himself, and there's been a huge amount of debate about what this means. Does Jesus have favourites? Was John right up there with Jesus' favourites? Was there a pecking order, loving some more than others? And then if Jesus has favourites, does that mean there's something that I can do to make Jesus love me more than you, or than he does already? And I find it's really helpful to remember Philip Yancey here, the author of What's So Amazing About Grace, a famous quote that many of you will know, which says this about the love of God. There is nothing that you can do today to make God love you more. And there's nothing that you can do today to make God love you less. He already loves you with an infinite and unconditional love. And I think what we can understand by the disciple whom Jesus loved was that Jesus loves all equally, but that John knew it. That was the difference with John. He knew it. He was the only one, as we heard in the reading, who leant back uh, on Jesus at the Last Supper. He was with Jesus at the cross. He was loved unconditionally by Jesus and eternally, and he knew it. And for many of us, getting this, I think, will actually be harder than loving Jesus. And it's also a reason that we don't love Jesus as we'd want to, because of our past pain, our past hurts, the disappointment that we have with God and maybe with other people. All of these things, these difficulties, have got in the way of us receiving God's love for us. They've become like barriers that we've put up or barriers that are there that mean that we don't think we're worthy of God's love or we don't want to open ourselves up to God's love because we've been hurt in the past. And instead of simply receiving God's love, we try and earn it, don't we, so often. We work harder, we pray harder, we give more, we go to church more. Whatever it is, you know, we swear less, we drink less, whatever it is that we think is going to please God. If only we perform better, then we think Jesus is going to love us more. Or we go the other way, don't we? We give up. There's a nagging doubt in our mind that actually Jesus is mad at me. He's disappointed in me. I've messed up and he knows it and he can't trust me anymore. He can't use me. And so we don't allow ourselves to be loved by Jesus. We don't allow ourselves to receive his grace and his forgiveness, to live our lives on that firm foundation. The only firm foundation there is. But for John, the beloved disciple, it was different. He knew the love of Jesus. He'd centred his life on it. He'd built his life on the solid rock of Jesus' love. And out of this love... He could love Jesus in return, and he could love others in return. And if loving God is the greatest commandment that he gives to us, then God's love for us is the greatest gift. The love that reaches down and rescues us. The love that sets us free and gives us a firm place to stand. The love that invites us into the heart of God. The love that never, ever tires of loving. He loves me, not because he has to, he doesn't. Not because it's his job, and he doesn't do it unwillingly, and he doesn't love me any less than he loves others. But he loves me because he wants to, and he loves me freely, and there are no conditions attached to that. And as we receive the love of God, then that opens and expands our hearts. It fuels our passion for worship and causes us to love him and others in return. How, I hear you ask. Thank you for asking a very good question just a couple of thoughts as we end we long to love Jesus more don't we so many of us and we long to know that we're loved by him and I would say simply come to the love of Jesus it sounds simple uh, and three specific practical ways that we can do that come to the love of Jesus stop striving come and allow yourselves to be loved by him Come to him in Scripture. Spend time with Jesus in the Gospels. Ask him as you do that to reveal more of his love for you, to open your eyes, to warm your heart. Let the truth that he died willingly for you, let that truth sink in as you read the Scriptures. Listen to his voice of love and his voice of blessing. As you read the Bible, slow down. One of my challenges, often I read it too quickly, trying to get through, tick off the chapters, slow down and allow Jesus to tell you that he loves you. Also, come to the love of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. There's a verse, one of my favourite verses in Romans five five, talks about God pouring his love, the love of Jesus into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Keep asking to be filled with the Spirit. Now, for me, this is a daily prayer of mine that God would come and fill me with his spirit and often as we pray that for people in church this, what happens is that we receive the love of God our hearts are open to his love we know that we're loved by him and God gives us the grace the strength by his spirit to love him and others in return and as we come to communion and receive Jesus in the bread and the wine why not linger for a while and ask one of the prayer ministry team just simply to pray that you'd be filled with the Spirit, that you'd be filled with the love of God in Jesus, that you would know what that means for you and you would love him more in return. And then finally, in worship. This sermon series is about worship. It's about sung worship. And worship can really help us here in understanding and receiving more of the love of God and allowing us to love him In return, because in worship we tell God that we love Him, and in worship, God tells us that He loves us, and others have gone before us who can help us express that love. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it hard to say exactly what I'm feeling to God. But in worship, someone's done it for us. Some of the songs, some folk have gone before us, whether ancient hymns or modern songs, expressing our love for God. And so why not use them? Why not stick on a CD, turn it up loud, and lay yourself go in praise and worship to God? Why not look through the Psalms, that great hymn book of the Bible, and allow the psalmist to express some of your love to God, and then you'll begin to do that in your own words as well. And why not as well in church, as we sing, just allow yourselves to... Uh, hear god's voice of love singing over you as we sing songs of love to god because worship is saying to the lord yes lord you know that i love you not as much as you love me but i do and as we say that we hear him whispering back to us that he loves us and the full extent of which we'll only know when we meet him face to face in heaven let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you that we are loved by you with an unconditional love and we pray you give us the grace to receive that, to grow in that so we read your word as we pray Lord Jesus even now would you send your spirit and fill our hearts with love for you And that understanding of your love for us. And we pray that you'd release our hearts in love for you in worship as well. And as we receive your love, help us to love you in return. To seek to love you above all things. And we ask it for your glory. Amen.